Amen. Amen. How are we doing this morning? We doing all right? Can y'all hear me? You can hear me really good, right? Amen. Um, I, I actually, uh, we're going to pray twice, but let me pray for the kids so we can get them out of here real quick. Amen. Father, we just want to thank you for what you're doing this morning, what you will do. God, we ask that uh, all of the youth who are in classes today, that they receive from you what they need to receive. That those who instruct them and teach them, God, that not only are they prepared, Father, but, Lord, they've become a part of the message. That the youngsters who eat from it, Lord, get what they need and become who they're supposed to become. We thank you. We honor you. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. All you children, you can, you can go to your class. Except for the teens. Oh, teens are going to their class? Okay, teens, you go to your class as well. Oh, amen, 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 amen. Amen, amen, amen. I will get through the honoring, but I want to release all our youth so that they can go. This morning I want to give honor to my wife of 19 years. I don't feel like I've been married 19 years. I don't even look like I've been married 19 years. But I've been married 19 years, and she doesn't even look a day over 21. I'm telling you, she hasn't changed one bit. If you've known her as long as I've known her, (laughs) she has not changed one bit. And I just want to give honor to her because uh, she's been with me through everything. We've been through a lot, but God is faithful. Amen? Amen? I want to honor Pastor David, Pastor Linda, the shepherds of this house. I want to give them praise for what they've done in the number of years that they've pastored in this city. Yes, come on, come on. Because in everything that they're doing, we're, we're all growing, okay? And they've been given the responsibility to raise a contingent of people who realize who they are, and then when they realize who they are, they can go do what God says for them to do. Amen? Is that all right? I want to give honor to those who are in leadership in this church. Amen? Those who've served in the capacity in this ministry for any length of time, I want to honor you because your service is not in vain. Amen? It's not in vain. And then I want to honor all my brothers and sisters. Listen, I'm just a brother. I'm just a brother. Amen? I'm a son of God as you are children of God. Okay? So, so, so God has conditioned this voice this morning to speak to you in a way that you're probably not used to, but that's all right. Okay? We're going to do what God wants for us to do. Is that all right? Is that all right? Hey, I don't mind you playing. Okay? If you feel something, just go with it. All right? I do not mind you playing. Um, before I get to the text, I want to kind of set this up. Okay? Let me pray real quick, once again, because when, I'm, when, I, when I get started, I'm going to be going. Is that all right? Father, I just want to thank you for all those who you have assigned this morning to be in this house. These are the ones you have chosen to hear what must be said this morning. The reason why you've chosen them, because they have a work that they have to do with their life. And Father, I ask as they meet you this morning, They understand what that work is. They run with that work, 
and they do not give voice to the enemy who would try to distract them any longer from accomplishing what you have accomplished for them to do. God, your word's already anointed. And Father, I thank you for it. I thank you for the assignment, and I thank you for those who are here to receive it. We give you honor for it in Jesus' name. Amen. My, my scripture passage is going to come out of the book of Luke, chapter 24. Just You can go to the book of Luke, chapter 24. I just dropped my eyes. And uh, we're going to start at verse number 13, but I want to give you a prelude to, to this text that I'm going to talk about. Okay? Here we are. Here we are. In the scripture, Jesus has already shown himself. He's done mighty miracles. Okay, he's, he's, he's healed the sick. He's raised the dead. He's, he's gone about and, and ministered unto all, preaching the kingdom of God. He's gathered his disciples. They followed him. And in all the teaching and in all the training... He has done exactly what the Father has shown for him to do. Then he gets accused of doing things that he did not do. And he runs into a place in a situation where those who were in the religious order, and then they, were, they were the ones who, because he was doing something as different and so different than what they were used to, they thought him to be an outsider. Have you ever done something that God told you to do? Amen, amen, God bless you. Have you ever done something that God told you to do and what you did did not look like everybody else? You're a believer just like they're a believer. The difference between what he believed and what they believed is they understood the law of the scripture, but he was the word of God. And what he knew to do and what he knew to be was opposite of what they had seen. Because he shook up a mindset that they had that he wasn't all about. If you notice, Jesus, our liberator, Jesus, our king, he came to set people free. He came to liberate these people, right? But when you come to liberate somebody, wouldn't you want to start with the people who are most bound, most oppressed? Where did he start? In the church. Where did he start? Where did he start? In the religious order. Why? Because he came and said, I came not to condemn the world, but I came to save it. He did not go immediately to the sinner and begin to preach to the sinner. He went and he began to speak of the kingdom of God that shook up the religious order of the day. Your king, my king, he did this. So now those who were in power decided we got to get rid of him. We got to do something about this man. We got to do something about this movement. He is garnering and gathering people to follow him that aren't listening to us. So what do they do? They plot to kill him. They get him. They bind him. 
They take him before Pilate. Pilate finds no fault in it. Religious leaders taking him before the world to condemn the word of God. To me, that's amazing. How at times you could be in a place where, where, where you can be walking with Jesus because the disciples walked with him. They walked with him for three and a half years. They walked with him. He gets to a place where now he is going through the process of being crucified. They bound him. They have him. He ends up dying on the cross. He had already said in three days I will rise again. So now he gets to this place where the three days have come. And he's at the place now where they go to the tomb and he's not there. And this is where we pick up our reading. So follow me. Luke chapter 24, verse number 13. When you get it, say amen. Amen. It reads, And behold, two of them went the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about three score furlongs, or seven miles. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. And he said to them, What manner of communications are these that ye have with one another as ye walk and are sad? And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered, And said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass here in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted, we were hoping that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Verse number 27. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Verse 30. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took the bread and blessed it and brake and gave to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew, they recognized him. And he vanished out of their sight. 
And they said one to another, did not our heart burn? Did we, did, did, weren't we on fire on the inside of us while he talked with us by the way? And while he opened up to us the scriptures. My assignment this morning is in the form of a question. And the question is this. Do you know what you're working with? Do you know what you're working with? Not who, but what you're working with. Not who. See, because if I asked you, what, who, 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 who are you, you would instantly tell me your name. When God asks you a question of what, it's not such a matter of you being in a place where you're trying to find a frame of reference for which to ask or answer the question. When we're often faced with a question, we immediately have to give a response. And in giving a response, sometimes we look for a frame of reference. We look for something or some place we've been before to be able to respond to the question that's before us. So the question is, do you know what you're working with? Now the what here does not deal with you trying to find an identity. It's not about identity. It's deeper than that. Because if you're looking for identity, then you're looking for something that can only be seen with your senses, with your eyesight, with what you can see with your physical eye. If I'm looking for something, I'll go around and, and I'm trying to find it. But when God asks you a question, it's more than what's on the surface. It's always more than what's on the surface. When he asked Adam, where art thou? It wasn't, it wasn't, it, it had nothing to do with, 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 with Adam being in a specific condition as much as it was his position had changed. So God says to him, where are you? Because where I knew you to be, you weren't there. So now I have to ask you a question. Do you know what you're working with? It's not a form of identity, but it deals with something else. And that something else is characterization. The character of what? It takes it beyond you. Because when God speaks to you, he's not speaking to flesh. He's not talking to flesh. He's talking to spirit. Why? The Bible says Jesus speaks and he says, my words are spirit. And they are what? Life. So we run into this passage of scripture where we have two disciples walking to a place and, 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 and they're talking about what had just happened? They had heard that Jesus was not in the tomb. You talking to me? Oh, okay. They had heard that Jesus was not in the tomb. Okay? What happened was he was gone and there were three women. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary, the mother of James, who went to the tomb to actually go and put spices on the body of the Lord, right? The Savior had just been crucified. They were in the three-day limit, and they go to perform a worship unto him. And he was not there. 
So instantly they're amazed that he's not there. Angels come and these angels say, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He wasn't there. So they begin to say to them, explain to these, these three women, <laughs> women, women, my God, women. Let me tell you the good thing about that. Let me tell you the good thing about that, sisters. Let me tell you the good thing about that. God has used you mightily in the body of Christ since the beginning of time. Don't let anybody discount the fact of your importance in the kingdom of God. Why? Because if it was meant for the men to be there, they would have been there. But it wasn't. It was meant for those three women to find them because there's a message in the fact that they were there trying to worship the Lord and the others were not. You know where they were at? They were hiding. He had just been crucified. They were hiding. So here we are. These three women go back and they say, listen, our Lord is not there. They tell this to the apostles. All gathered together. Everybody was, 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 was upset about what was going on. They didn't know what to do. They had received instruction from Jesus to wait for the promise or wait for the comforter to come and help. So they're doing what they're supposed to do. But in fear. Have you ever been obedient to what God told you to do, but yet we're still fearful? So what happens is now we have these two walking to a village called Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. And as they're walking, Jesus shows up. I do believe the Bible says where two or more are gathered. I'm in the midst. Does it not say that? Does it not say that? So he shows up, but it also says they couldn't see him. Why could they not see him? Because their eyes were kept from seeing him. Why? Now, why would Jesus not show himself? Here these two are. They're talking about the events that happened. Here these two are. They're talking about him. These two are gathered in his name. He's in the midst, but he doesn't reveal himself. Have you ever been talking about Jesus? And you have mentally assented to the fact that you know he's there. But he didn't reveal himself. Let's deal with mental assent. Let me tell you what that is in mental assent. I don't want to, want to throw out something you've never heard before. Mentally assenting to a thing means I agree with it, but I don't necessarily believe it. <laughs> I can agree with the word of God. I know the script. I can see the words on the print. I know it's the infallible word of God. I agree with the fact that it is him. It, it, it is his words in print on paper. But it doesn't mean I believe it. It doesn't mean I believe it. I'm going to show you what God is saying with regard to do you know what you're working with? What you're working with? What? What? Not who? Not who? 
We all know Jesus is our Savior, right? We all know Jesus is our Savior. He's our Lord. He's our King. We know this. But, but do we know what that means? See, confession and belief gets you in the kingdom. But revelation allows you to possess it. I'm going to say that again. Confession. Confess with thy mouth, Lord Jesus. Believe. Believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead. And thou shalt be. We all know this, right? 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 We know this, right? Now, check it out. But revelation allows you to possess it. Peter. Disciples. Who do men say that I am? Who do men say that I am? Some say that I am Esaias meaning Elijah, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what do you say? What do you say? Peter chimes in and says, Thou art the Son of God, the Christ, the Son of God. Immediately Jesus says to him, Simon Bar-Jonah, didn't know flesh and blood reveal this unto you. You didn't get this from a man. You didn't get this from somebody orating the Word of God so that now you understood that They told you that I was the Son of God. You didn't get that from them. Flesh and blood didn't reveal it to you. But my Father in heaven revealed this thing unto you. So, confession and belief gets you access into the kingdom. But the revelation of who He is allows you to possess it. Because immediately after that, Jesus says to him, because of this knowledge, because of this understanding, I'm going to give you some keys. I'm going to give you some keys. And in these keys, these are not keys to the kingdom. These are keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind will be bound, and whatever you loose will be loose. The keys of the kingdom Shows possession, shows authority, shows access, shows power, the keys of the kingdom. That's moving from being saved (laughs) to going to belief. Because to believe means you are mentally persuaded that whatever God says is true. And that where I was is not where I was supposed to be. Amen? Amen? So we have, these, we, we, we have this happening where he shows up to these, with these two disciples and they're talking and he asks them a question and his question is, what kind of communication is this? Have you ever had the Lord check you? Now check it now, check it. You're talking with your brother and your sister, Right? You're talking about the things of God, are you not? But God comes around and says, what kind of conversation is this? What is this you're talking about? His desire to get the believer, to get the disciple from not just talking about it, but having a communion with it having an understanding about it. See, see, these two were minding their business, having a discussion about Christ and about what happened. And then one says to Jesus, he says, where you been, man? What you been up to? What you been doing? 
Haven't you heard or seen the things that have been going on here? Haven't you ever been in a situation where you're talking with your, with your peer or with your brother, with your sister? Man, you don't know what I've been going through. Girl, you don't know where I've been. My kids ain't acting right. My job, I liked it when I got it, but it ain't what it's producing. It ain't producing for me what I thought it was going to produce for me. Prayed for the job, got the job. It was a blessing when we got it, right? It was a blessing when we got it, right? But now it's not a blessing. What happened to God saying, there's your blessing, and our walking in it and came to a determination, this ain't working for me. For real? Let me give you something. Let me help you with that. Let me help you with that. Something the Lord told me years ago, and I'm going to tell you. Never again look at your job as a job. Never again look at your job as a job. Look at your job or your employment as those people paying you for you to develop yourself. Listen to what I'm saying. Look at your employment, look at your job as those people paying you for you to develop yourself. Why? Because that is only part of your assignment. That's only part of your assignment. Did God leave that field as the field that you were going to till for the rest of your life? If he didn't do that, then it's only temporal. So now you don't have to go in there having a fit or, go, or, or, or dreading tomorrow morning. I got to go to work. Oh, my God, let me get all prayed up now because I got to go deal with these people. Oh, Jesus, help me, help me, help me. No, no, no. That is meant to be there for you to be developed, for you to be empowered, for you to know that I'm going to take from this and apply it to my life, and where I go next, God's going to have me ready for that. You would have never got there had you not gone through that. You would have never got there. So Jesus is talking to them. What, what, what is coming out of your mouth? And they're saying to him, where you been? You ain't seen or heard. You don't know what the news is around here. What you been up to? So Jesus responds, what thing? What thing? Do you know what you're working with? What thing? What? What? Having to shift their thinking. Because the things that they're seeing, they're seeing in flesh. What they're looking at, they're looking at with their natural eye. They had, could not explain, they had no explanation for the fact that what they saw going on was going on and they didn't know how to handle it. Because immediately they said after that, we thought he was going to come this way. We thought he was going to be the redeemer of Israel. Have you ever thought God was going to redeem you in a specific way? You would pray, you would believe, you walked in perceived faith that this is how he's going to do it. And he didn't do it like that. Let me tell you what they knew about him in Scripture. They knew that he was the radical conquering king. That's what the Scriptures had talked about, him coming and establishing his government and his government lasting forever. They knew that was in the script. What they did not know is that he was going to come as a suffering servant. He was going to come as somebody who suffered but yet served. Yes, we know he suffered physically the pain of dying on the cross for you and I. 
But the suffering he really had is he stood. This is my position. In the midst of all of it, this is my position. In the midst of a religious mindset, this is my position. In the midst of understanding who his father was and only doing that which he saw his father in heaven do, this is my position. In the midst of all of that, yes, did he suffer physically for that? He suffered physically for that. But the understanding that you and I are supposed to have is do we know what we're working with? What we're working with. Not who, not who, but what you're working with. I can say, Jesus, do you not know everybody who comes to the altar to give their life to Christ don't get saved? Oh, come on. Listen, listen. Everybody who comes to the altar to give their life to Christ does not get saved. They confess. They need help right then. And the Lord is faithful to help them. That's the faithfulness of God. He'll help them. But when they come to the altar or when they come to give their life to Christ, the validation of that only happens when they leave the altar. Let me explain that to you because you might not have gotten it. Listen. The validation of that is this. Now when you go out and get tested, now when you go out and get tried, now when you go out and have to live on the fact that you've exposed yourself by coming to me in front of everybody, now you've got to walk this thing out and you've got to walk it through. That is going to determine the validation of whether or not you meant what you thought you meant when you came up here in the first place or if you just needed a touch to relieve my pain. To, re- to give me an anesthetized feeling to get me in a place where I can say, thank you, Jesus. I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. But don't you know freedom costs? Don't you know freedom is a responsibility? Do you know what you're working with? So they, they, they have this dialogue. And he's talking to them about the scriptures. They still don't know who he is. <laughs> Ooh, Jesus. They still don't know who he is. Fellowship is good. Listen, I'm all, I'm all for fellowship. I am all for fellowship. I'm all for it, okay? We're two or more gathered. He's in the midst. I'm, I'm down with it. Okay, but I need revelation. So if I'm going to be in fellowship and having discussion and he shows up, I want him to reveal himself. I want him to show up and say something. So so here he is talking to them and the Bible says they don't see him. They can't see him. They cannot see him because their eyes, their eyes were beholden or their eyes were, were blocked from being able to see him. Why would the Lord do that? Why would he do that? Okay? Why would he do that? Because he wants to walk around and he wants to walk with you to listen to your conversation. He wants to hear what you're talking about. He wants to know what you're saying. Because later we read in the scripture 
where he specifically says to them, let me, let me, let me get it for you, let me get it for you. He says to them, oh, fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? They were waiting for a redeemer. We're all at times in our places waiting for a redeemer. But we know the scripture says his ways are not our ways. We know that, right? His thoughts are not our thoughts. We know that, right? But we have mentally agreed with that's what the scripture says. But the belief requires a conditioning. And the conditioning sometimes is pain. Everybody do this. What that means is the breath you breathe was his. He gave it to you when you were in your mother's womb. And when you came out and you took the first breath, you expelled the life of him into this world. Now made you aware of the fact that he is going to do in you what he said he was going to do in you. You know what I like about this type of setting? You want to know why I like that? That means you're thinking. Okay? Okay? You're thinking. I know we live in a day today where we have celebrity ministers, celebrity preachers. And now listen, they preach good words. Okay, they preach some dynamic word, and we all can shout and run around the building and have deliverance. Listen, I'm not saying people don't get delivered. You get delivered. But the test, the test, the test, the test, the test is such that when we get what we get, can we now stand? I love this saying. You know why? Because Jesus was a master teacher. (laughs) He was a master teacher. He was a master imparter. He was a master expounder. The Bible says he opened up the scriptures to them. He opened them up. You know why he called them fools? Let me, let me tell you why. Now, 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 this, I'm thinking, man, Lord, why, why, why are you going to call these brothers fools? I mean, these are your disciples. And he called them fools. I know when I, in my early walk with Christ, God would say stuff to me like, <laughs> God would say stuff to me like, where's your head at? And I'd be like, what are you talking about, Lord? And he would say to me, where'd you get that thought? He would say to me, who taught you that? He, check this out. He would say to me, you're quoting that, but do you know what that means? He, he would say to me, have you found out where that originated? Because if you're anything like me, you were raised in church. Anybody who was raised in church, 
You know all the language of the kingdom. No, you know what? Let me rephrase that. You know all the language of church. You know what to say. You know what to do. We know how to move. Oh. Listen, listen, I'm not playing. Listen, 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 listen. It doesn't mean that you don't get touched like that. It does not mean you don't get touched. I'm not trying to make fun of it for the fact or for the sake of making fun of it. I'm not doing that. What I'm doing is this. I'm engaging what we think. Do you know what you're working with? What you're working with? Can you hold this thing? Can you hold it? I I used to make a comment, and a lot of people didn't understand that, but I used to make this comment all the time, and this comment was, you know what? I can't leave here until, until, until my assignment's done. People used to think I was arrogant. People used to think I was, I, was, I was just straight up nuts as a Christian, as a brother. But when I tell you God's my father, I ain't playing. Oh, listen to me. I am not playing. When I tell you God is my father, he is my father. And I know what he said about me. And when you know what he said about you, you can stand in the midst of adversity You can stand when people don't stand with you. You can stand in what you believe when the the masses are going one way and you ain't going like that. Listen, let me help you. The majority ain't always right. Oh, listen, the majority is not always right. Why? Why? Narrow is this road. Narrow is this road. You know, a lot of people will say, uh, uh, um, 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 be careful of, of, of worldly wisdom and, and, and understanding that the world provides and so that you don't get into a place where you're standing on something that has no biblical foundation. I agree. I agree. You don't want to follow the counsel of the world. I get that, right? Okay? I'm going to say, uh, I'm, I'm going to give you a quote. <laughs> I'm going to give you this quote, and, and this quote is directly related to what I just said. Freedom is seldom traveled by the multitude. Freedom is seldom traveled by the multitude. Everybody don't everybody does not travel the road of freedom. That road is a narrow road. That road you may not have a frame of reference for. That road, you may not be able to look back and find somebody who has done it that you know that you can actually align yourself to in the physical world to help you navigate through where it is that you have to go. That road is seldom traveled by the multitude. Now, we're Christian believers. We're God's holy ones. We're a peculiar people, a royal nation. That is what he said about us. Is that not right? That is what he said about us. So, so if the road is narrow and God says all wisdom comes from him, knowledge and understanding come from him, all of it. That quote I just gave you, now this might, you know what? 
this is going to probably mess up some religious mindset. I'm about to tell you this right now. Okay? That's all right. I don't care. Okay? Listen, listen. That quote I just gave you, uh, that I just gave you, came from Malcolm X. Freedom is a road seldom traveled by the multitude. Okay? Not everybody wants to be free. They say it, but they're not, they don't want to do what it takes to get to freedom. Don't want to do what it takes. So, so, so here you have the Lord expounding to these people. He's expounding to these two, two, two disciples. And in him expounding to them, they, they're, they're hearing what he's saying, and they're like, what? Are you, what? 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 They're blown away by what he's talking about. The Bible says he began to talk to them. Uh, he began to talk to them, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, and then he expounded unto them all the scriptures concerning himself. If you are new in Christ, that's a good place to start. Moses and all the prophets. Jesus said he began to do that. Why? Well, now we're talking about three and a half years. He physically walked with the disciples. Three and a half years. How long have you been saved? And from being saved, when did you become a believer? Because to believe means to be mentally persuaded. In the original language, it means that I'm persuaded that the way I was going ain't way I should be going. This way is the way. Why? Because Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Can't nobody come to the Father but by him. Why do you think he was upset? Why do you think Jesus was upset when he said, you fools? He was upset because they should have known this. He walked with him three and a half years. You should have known how I rode. <laughs> you should have known who I was. You should have known the way I was coming is not the way that you thought I was going to come. So after he's talking to them, and then he goes and he, he they, they beg him to, to, to come and stay with them because now you're talking now, you know, seven and a half miles or seven miles from Emmaus, from Jerusalem to Emmaus. Okay, so he's talking with them for a while. I don't know what that is when you're walking seven and a half miles. I do not do that much walking. I don't even do that much running. Okay, so, so, so I don't know how long of a time period that is. However, however. It was long enough for him to talk to them. It was long enough for him to open up the scriptures and give them knowledge. So now they get to this place and he says, why don't you come eat with us? Or Cleopas says, why don't you come eat with us? So he sits down and he eats and he breaks bread. He breaks the bread, he prays. He gives it, and immediately their eyes are open. He breaks bread. He prays, and immediately their eyes are open, and they were able to recognize him. In the original language, the word knew him means to thoroughly know him. They thoroughly came to a place where they knew him. Now, we're all 
believers, I hope. What do we know thoroughly about him that we can stand sure-footed and say, no, that is not my God? Or if the enemy comes at you with something that you know that is not in the character of God, you can actually speak to that enemy and cause him to flee because you know exactly who your Lord is, exactly who your king is, exactly. So he opens their eyes and now they know. They have now been transitioned from just being saved to a believer. Now they have just received keys, access. See, too often times we try to explain God. <laughs> God cannot be explained. He must be revealed. You can't explain God. I can't explain God. I'm reading scripture. We all read this scripture. I can't explain him. He has to be revealed. We plant seeds. We water seeds. But who brings forth the increase? Right? So our responsibility is to what? Plant. Water, plant, water, plant, water, plant, water, plant, water. But the increase is all his. So no man can glory. No man can glory. I want to read something to you. Bless me. It's bless me. It's from a a brother who's long since been deceased. But he it, it was a message he spoke in his latter days. And the words were so anointed that today people use it as a poem. You might have heard of it. Dr. S.M. Lockridge. S.M. Those were his initials. It meant Shadrach, Meshach. Dr. Shadrach, Meshach. Lockridge. And he did a message called, That's My King. Can I read this to you? And I promise I'll be done after I read this to you. Okay? He says, The Bible says he's the king of the Jews, the king of Israel, the king of righteousness, the king of the ages, the king of heaven, the king of glory, the king of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. David says, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. No means of measure can define his limitless love. No barriers can hinder him from pouring out his blessing. 
He's enduringly strong, entirely sincere, eternally steadfast, immortally graceful, imperially powerful, impartially merciful. That's my king. He's God's son, the sinner's savior, the centerpiece of civilization. He stands alone in himself. He's unique, unparalleled, unprecedented. He's supreme, preeminent, the loftiest idea in literature, the highest personality in philosophy, the supreme problem of higher criticism, the fundamental doctrine in true theology. He's the cardinal necessity of spiritual religion. That's my king. He's the miracle of the age. He's the only one able to supply all our needs simultaneously. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick, cleansed the lepers, forgives sinners, discharges debtors, delivers the captives, defends the feeble. Blesses the young, serves the unfortunate, rewards the age, rewards the diligent, and he beautifies the meek. Do you know what you're working with? The king is the king of knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom, the doorway of deliverance, the pathway of peace, the roadway of righteousness the highway of holiness, the gateway of glory, the master of the mighty, the captain of conquerors, the head of heroes, the overseer of the overcomers, the governor of the governors, the prince of princes, the king of kings, and he's the Lord of lords. Is he your king? His office is manifold. His promises is sure. His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. He's indescribable. He's incomprehensible, he's invincible, and he's irresistible. No man can explain him. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't get him off your hands. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. The Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him, and Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. Do you know what you're working with? He's always been and he always will be. He had no predecessor. And he'll have no successor. There was nobody before him. And there'll be nobody after him. You can't impeach him. And he's not going to resign. That's my king. Thine is the kingdom. And the power. And the glory, it's all his. 
forever and ever and ever. And when you get through with all the forevers, then amen. Come on now. Come on now. Come on now. Come on now. Come on. Come on. That's your king. That's my king. Do you know what you're working with? Jesus is the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. He is the Alpha and the Omega. Your beginning and your end. If he said it, he'll bring it to pass. God ain't playing with his word. He's not playing with his word. As he expounded to these disciples, he'll expound to you. He'll open it up for you to understand it too. Why? Because there's a work for you to do. There's a work for me to do. It ain't about religion. It's not about Sunday and Wednesday. Come on, get out of that. Get out of that. Get out of that. It is not about Sunday and Wednesday. It's about Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Saturday and Sunday again. That's what it's about in your life. Because there's a work that has to be done. When you know who you are, you don't have to have nobody tell you. God. Listen, when you know who you are, you don't have to have nobody tell you. If I were to ask you your name, you tell me your name. Because you know that about yourself. He said, wait for the comforter. Wait till you endure with power from on high. And when that power comes, check it out. In the original language, it means dynamite. But more than it means dynamite, it means this. You have been empowered to act. You have been empowered to put forth action. You have been empowered to go and do something. You have been empowered to take the atmosphere and change it as you go. You have been empowered to do that. You know something about action? Let me tell you something about action. It don't have a season. Oh, come on. Listen, listen, listen. Action have no season. Let me tell you this, and then I'll, then, I'll, then I'll get out of here. I worked for a Bible software company. Some of you know this, some of you don't. I went to that Bible software company in 1996. When I first came to this island, I worked at Safeway. Back in 1994. And I worked at Safeway because it was a humbling experience for me. When I came here, I knew I was above that. When I came here, I knew my intelligence would take me further than that. God had gotten a hold of my life and I gave my life back to him. And I told him that if you allowed me to give my life back to you, I'd never leave you again. So he allowed me to give my life back to him. And I have not left him since. So I was working at Safeway because I couldn't get a job anywhere else. And when I went to work at Safeway, I went to work at Safeway as the janitor. Talk about a lowly position. I wasn't even a clerk. I was the janitor. I was cleaning up mess. I was cleaning up filth. Every night, 
cleaning stuff up. My hours would be anywhere between 11 to maybe 5 or 7, between 5 and 7 in the morning. I was in the military, and I couldn't stand it. It drove me nuts. But I did it because he had allowed me to come back home. I did it because I told him I would never leave him again. I did it because I had a vision for my tomorrow that wasn't indicative of my today. I did it because God had already shown me I'm going to do something in your life. I did it because I knew then that I could get a hold of him and he could get a hold of me. I remember working with Elder Otis. Here I am cleaning. (laughs) Cleaning Safeway, y'all. The very Safeway we all go shop at. I cleaned it. So I'm, I'm mopping. I'm cleaning these floors. And, 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 and God was humbling me. I couldn't understand it. Didn't want to understand it. But I knew as I had went through too much to get back home. And I wasn't about to go back out there. How, how many of you know that when you are close and you know you are about to die, that if you don't do something that changes the trajectory of your life, you not only would have been dead, it would have been not only a self-fulfilling prophecy, it would have been something that the enemy had already had over your life. So here I am doing this thing. And God says to me, I'm going to change this for you. So there happened to be a lady at the at Safeway whose husband worked for this Bible software company called Logos Research Systems that used to be based here in Oak Harbor. And I was interested because what they didn't know is when I leave my eight-hour, seven-hour shift at Safeway cleaning the floors, I'd go home and pull out all my study materials. I wouldn't even go to sleep. I'd go home and jump in the Word. I'd go home and get what I needed. See, I was hungry. I was thirsty. I didn't have a father that, that, that. Now listen, my father was a pastor. And then I didn't have a father who was able to pour into my life because he had been gone. And I knew where I was going. So, so I said, God, you're going to have to do this for me. I can't rely on nobody else. I had brothers try to come and befriend me so that they could walk me through discipleship. But they was just as bound as, as everything trying to walk me through discipleship. And I told the Lord, I can't go through that. I don't have time to erase nothing in my life. See, when you get to a place where you know you need to know what you know, you ain't got time to erase craziness. You ain't got time to fall on a belief system that don't stand up to the test. You got to know what you believe. So, so I get this opportunity to go work at this Bible software company. Spending hours, I would come home and she at one point got jealous because I would spend hours studying the Word of God. Eight books, reference materials all over the place. Trying to find him. Trying to know him trying to get close to him the bible says they that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled 
I was thirsty. So I go work at this software company. And I'm only there for a couple of months. And then God begins to talk to me and he says to me, learn everything you need to know. Because this will be the last place you'll ever work. I said, what you talking about? Learn everything you need to know. This will be the last place you ever work. Okay. Okay, I got it. So I'm doing everything in the accounting department. I had, I had, I had the brother of the president of the company come to me and said, how would you get in here? I said to him, what do you mean? He said, how'd you get in here? I said, wouldn't you like to know? I said, you really want to know how I got in here? God got me in here. He says, what do you mean? I said, wait a minute. You are the brother of the owner of a software company that distributes electronic Bibles. And you don't know what I mean when I say that? Now, let me tell you something. And uh, any of you who know me, you know what I mean when I say this. Out of 150, 200 employees, I'm the only African American. The only one. Working in accounting. Interviewed for the job. Sat down with the CFO and the controller of the company. And they interviewed me for the job. And I interviewed for the job like I don't even want the job. Because now I'm speaking into their life. And they had not had anybody ever do that before. And the very next day, he hires me. So I work at this company. And I'm there at this company. I'm four years into this company. I started working at that company for... (laughs) I started working at Safeway for $4.25 an hour. I started working at the Bible software company for $7 an hour. So I'm there four years. And I get to a review board. And at this review board, the CFO at the time, because they have shifted and changed CFOs, the CFO at the time says to me, he, he puts this sheet of paper out and he draws this line. And on this line he writes... On the top of the, of the line, he writes degree. And on the bottom of the line, he writes none. Condescending, as if I couldn't catch it, as if I didn't know it. So he says to me, after he gave the other four people in the office raises, we're going to cap you. I said, cap me where? He said, we're going to cap you at $12.12 an hour. Cap me. But everybody else went above me. Now here I am, the only one in the office who knows every position. I can run all of it. Can do all of it. Why? Because God told me, learn everything you need to know. Because this will be the last place you ever work. So I applied myself into gathering knowledge, into gathering wisdom and understanding. And I didn't do it for my benefit. I worked that job as unto the Lord. I knew that those people were developing me to, or are paying me to develop myself. So, so I get upset with the CFO. I get upset with him. And I said, what do you mean? He said, we're going to cap you. Because you ain't got a degree. I said, are you kidding me? 
I said, line us all up right now. And, I, and, and we'll, we'll see who knows what they know. He said, that ain't the point. You know what he said to me? He said, I've never met anybody like you who is as articulate as you are, who can go in and out of a conversation, and who's as confident as you are, and you ain't got a degree. And then he asked me, what do you want to do with your life? You know what I told him? I want your job. He said, no, wait a minute. You can't have my job. Because I'm the father-in-law of the president. I said to him, I said, then you misunderstood what I said. You trying to tell me I can't do what you do? You trying to tell me that where you got, I can't go? I said, what do you do anyway? He said, I saw a problem. I said, well, I know somebody who's a problem solver. I know somebody who can solve every problem. So don't tell me I can't get there. So now he comes at me. Opposition, oppression. I remember sitting down talking with the president of the company. Who at this time, here I am, I'm, 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 I'm 30, 31, 32. But I went to work for this man when I was 26. No, wait a minute. Yeah, I'm 30. Uh, yeah, yeah, 31. I went to work for him when I was 26. Now, the thing that upset me, he was my age. Bothered me. Because here I am working in accounting and I'm cutting this man's check and his check is 12 times what I'm making. And I asked God, wait a minute, what is it about this brother that, that I don't have? You know what God says? He knows who he is. And he's doing what he had in him to do. And I said, okay, God, I got it. So I remember driving home when my CFO capped me. I promise you I'm almost done. And I'm in tears and I'm crying. And I'm saying, God, what's up? I tithe, I give. At this time, I was spending 20 hours working in the ministry on top of 55 hours a week at my job. Up many a night. I said, what's going on, Lord? I tithe, I give. And then God said to me, do you recognize opportunity? I said, what? He said, do you think that they're the ones holding you back? Do you think that they're the ones capping your pay? He said, do you really believe that they have that power over you? He says, where does promotion come from? He said, the fact that you're not getting what you believe you should have is because I have not allowed it to come yet. I had to repent. Before I drove up to my home, not the house in my apartment, I had to repent so my wife could see the tears that were on my face. And I had to say, thank you, Lord, because you know me. So the very next day, I changed my gait. I changed my understanding, and I went in there harder than I ever had before. And I said, God, just don't let me miss the door. When you show me, God, when it's time to move, don't let me miss the door. So this phone call comes in when the company decides they want to move to Bellingham. And everybody's talking about uh, 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 commuting to Bellingham for work. And I said, well, Lord, I guess I'll commute for work. But there was this company 
that was starting out that one of the salespeople had already went to work at. Now, he called looking for one of the ladies in, 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 in the office because this startup was hiring somebody in accounting so that they can actually put together their accounting. But the phone call came to my phone, and I was the only one in the office. And God knew I wasn't going to answer nobody else's phone. So it came to my phone. So I picked up the call, and I talked to him. And he says to me, I'm looking for Susan. I said, she ain't here. He says, so, so uh, uh, what are you doing? I said, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just getting ready to tidy up here. What you need? He said, well, I heard that everybody was moving over to Bellingham, and, and I wanted to offer her this position for this company that I'm working for. I said, what position? He said, this company called Hospital Jobs Online. So I said, uh, what do they want? And he begins to tell me what they're after. And I said to him, I said, Gary, I'm interested in that. He said, well, wait a minute. I thought you was going. I said, I ain't going. I said, don't believe everything everybody tell you. I said, what do they need? And he began to tell me, and I said, you know what? Why don't you set up an interview? I'm interested in that. He said, are you sure? I said, I'm positive. Now, one of the things that God had did when I worked at that company is he had given me favor. Oh, my God. He had given me favor that I worked directly with the president of the company, with the CFO of the company, sat in meetings with them, when they were making major moves and decisions on the direction of the company and gathered wisdom, knowledge, and understanding that grew the company in my participation. Double-digit millions every year before they left. So Gary sets this up. I talked with, with the owner and, and, and the, the president of the company. And in my discussion, they said, you know what? We like you. No resume? Listen, no, no resume? When can you work with us? I said, well, I can work with you. I have to give two weeks notice. I said, but before we do that, what kind of money are we talking? You know what they said? What you need? You know what? <laughs> Woo, Jesus. Listen, listen, listen. I had three kids I was feeding. On $12.12 an hour. And then I told them what I needed. 100% of what they were paying. Or what the other, 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 other employer was paying me. So I left a couple of days later. And what it was, it ended up being a client. And I've been self-employed ever since. 12 years running. 12 years running. 12 years running. 12 years running. It was the last place I ever worked. And I made the comment out, God even told me, you would never have to work for another man like that again, ever in your life. Why do I say that to you? Because when you know what you know, when God has talked to you, somebody can tell you different. And you can say, I'm going to do it anyway. Somebody can tell you that ain't what God said. And you can stand back and say, okay, you know what? That's all right. I hear what you're saying. But God, I'm willing to go do this because you said do this. Now, God tested me. I promise you I'll be done. I went through a period where I lost that one client. And I went through, I don't know, it seemed like forever. I haven't saved about nine months, if not longer. 
where we had one income. I think it was $300 a month. I had just bought my house. My wife was pregnant with twins. Now my household was moving from five uh, individuals to seven. That means I was moving from three kids to five kids. $300 a month. So here I am having to go and develop some business because this one client took all my time. And I said, God, I believe what you said to me. And if I lose this house, I don't care. I don't care about this house. I don't care what people think. Oh, my God. Listen. Listen to me. Listen to me. Let me tell you why I say that. Because if God talks to you, if God talks to you as a man thinketh in him, if you said me, said to me that I'm something, and I don't think that, that's your opinion. If I say to you, you something, and you don't think that, that's your opinion. Is that right? If the UPS man delivers you some mail that you got to sign for, you can choose whether or not to sign for it. If he leaves the parcel at a place where you got to go pick it up, you can choose whether to go get it. When God gives you revelation of who you are, in understanding of who you are, you must follow what he has told for you to do. Twelve years running to the glory of God. To the glory of God. I want to talk to people. You know you're stagnated. You have a vision. You have a vision. You know what God has shown you, but you can't quantify it. You can't qualify it. You're almost afraid to say something about it. If infancy has afforded you a, 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 a position where if you say something, you don't want it to be squashed. God has told some people to do some stuff that you know that can't be me. See, we're talking about transformational thinking. We're talking about removing from religious to relationship. We're talking about not mentally assenting to knowing, but to knowing. I want everybody who is in a place, just a place where you know you need him, know you have it, but there's something fighting. There's a block in your mindset. And you can't get from one place to another. I just need you to come. I need you to come. I want I want to talk to 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 the people who who mentally may feel like you're bound with something. 